Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Richies, so every single dude, all the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to, to us. Hi. 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 Hi, hi. Hi, hi. How's it going? Who are you this week? How are you feeling? Who are you this week? Great question. Um, last time we talked, we did like a special better help episode. We talked a lot about mental health and I was kind of like in a fragile mood. Um, things have gotten much better. I am a Charlotte this week because okay, yeah, rare I'm Charlotte. Ra- she's rare. She's like a we're not we're usually not Charlottes that often. It's it's a lot of Mirandas and sometimes Samanthas and Carries, but Charlotte is a rare bird. I'm a yes. Charlotte because, as I had said on the previous episode in the little like mental health mini episode, I was having trouble sleeping. I was getting a little weird, and so I called my mom and said, "Can I borrow Chachi for a few days?" And just like when Charlotte had that dog that just kind of like ruined everything. Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) Yes. So um, for dedicated listeners, you know Chachi. For other ones, Chachi's my ex dog. Um, (laughs) He's my ex. And basically after three months of taking care of him, I gave him to my mom. Hashtag not that responsible. But he's a really loving, great dog. And having him in the house was really helpful. Like being like bone alone in your house is like really crazy and just having a dog makes such a difference like you know I was like writing and then I would like he would like make some noise and I'd take him out we'd cuddle I'd feed him it just like gave a lot to my day yeah but he's such a little a-hole even though I love him because he's a really good dog and he barks when he wants to go outside to go pee and poo which is great but he also barks at everything all the time so like Sometimes he barks because there's a squirrel across the street. Sometimes he barks because he heard someone else in the apartment building closing a door. So one day he just was barking at me and I was like, okay, well, I just took you out. So obviously you don't have to pee. And he's like, oh, really? And he just got on my West Elm couch, popped a squat and just peed on it. When I gave him to my mom, I had to pay someone $350 to, like, steam clean my couch. To, like, and then de-piss your apartment. <laughs> my couch was just, like, a pee sponge. Yeah. It was just, like... We went, oh. with, we went through that when we got Sheffield. He was doing exactly that, what you right. said. Like, they did he lock eyes? Did Chachi lock eyes with you while it was happening? He, like, basically smiled. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> right. like, smized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He smized for the cam. Yeah, he totally smized. And then later that night, I had a FaceTime day... With this Ooh. very handsome, nice um, guy named Eduardo, Mexican-American. Well, actually, Mexican moved to America when he was 12. 
lives in Los Feliz, getting his PhD at UCLA, teaches at UCLA. Cool. Very handsome, very nice. So I like get dressed up, put on makeup, like do the FaceTime. Chachi's like sleeping next to me on the couch. I'm like, this is going to be great. The second I start the date, Chachi was like, there's only one man in your life and it's me, Chachi. And he just like started scratching at the couch and just like spinning in circles. And I was like asking this. (laughs) And I was like, oh, tell me about your family. And like Chachi's just like in the background, just like ripping the house apart. So I was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to go. Like my dog, I was like dog blocked. Like my dog just didn't want it. So I'm actually going to go out on a social distance walk with that guy tonight. Okay, great. Chachi is not coming on the walk. I dropped him back off at my mom. Oh, okay. I was like, I love you, but I'm glad you're not my full-time son. Okay. Okay. He's also harder than regular dogs, I think. You think so? He is because he's such a prince. Like, if you're just, like, sitting and typing, he's like, starts barking just because he wants oh, you to play with him. okay. Like, okay. he doesn't really, he's yeah. like a rich, like, sultan's son. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. He, yeah. like, it's like 24-7. Like, he's the kind of person, like, dog, where, like, if I was a millionaire and, like, left it all to him, it would, like, take a million dollars to, like, keep uh, him entertained. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Also, yeah. when he was in my studio apartment, he was, like, so happy to be with me and be reunited with me. Oh. But he was definitely, like, looking around the place and was being like, I... Where's- I miss the two, the three tiered house on the beach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he lives a good life in Manhattan beach. Yeah. He was like, you can loan me out to this like sad slum, but like at the end of the day, bring me back to the, That's bring me so back funny. to the South Bay. He's like, I know that's like Los Feliz is cool, but you know what else is cool? <laughs> Fucking sand in your backyard and the Pacific ocean. He's like, and also like more than like pathetic square feet. Like less than a thou. <laughs> what a little snob, Chachi. Oh my you god. really changed. Manhattan Beach has changed you. Oh my god, he's completely sold out. Oh, I mean, they all do. I mean, that's I the mean, thing. It's that's... just what it's the ones that you think won't that do. Yeah, he was an OG, but now he's just kind of like doing. I it know. Gal, who the fuck were you this week? I guess I'm back to being a little bit of a Miranda in that um, it was actually a really busy week, and it felt very work focused which is sort of like the first time I've really felt that where I was like I'm busy but in my house um (laughs) and it's such an odd thing because it's like you could have like a like hour-long zoom or like some complicated conference call and then the next second you're like you know like cooking in your kitchen like it's the 1950s (laughs) like just like full-on like like chore woman, like just <laughs> cleaning, sweeping. Like it's just this strange I, juxtaposition. I really like chore woman instead of housewife. Yeah, well, I, because there's a lot of people who are housewives, and it's a very important role. This is oh, more it's cin- huge. This is more like Cinderella, just fucking like like getting in there and like it's just nonstop chores. Like there's I always know. something to be done, and it's that juxtaposed with like full time other career, but it's all happening in this like very unsophisticated apartment environment and it's just like confusing um but yeah it's been I so I, that's actually it's been nice it's been nice to be busy because at the beginning of the quarantine I couldn't have been less busy like, yes I, I have stuff to do didn't know what to do with myself yeah and I also I've talked about this on the podcast but like at the beginning of the quarantine I couldn't focus like even if I wanted to work on something I couldn't concentrate 
And now I'm like, that. okay, I've got my concentration back. So that's Good. been nice. I'm glad. Um, but yeah. And then I, I was telling Skylar this before. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I've also had a lot of anxiety the past two days. Um, and not like anxious thoughts or anything, but like actual physical like tightness in my chest. And I'm wondering if it's from coffee or if it's just because I think that I'm curious how you feel about this, but I think that like with the quarantine, we're now in a place where you're starting to hear people be like, is this the new normal? I'm getting used to it. Like these phrases are getting thrown around. But the truth is, I don't think even if you start to feel like you're you're getting the hang of it, quote unquote. I think that while like that's sort of that's like a car going in one lane, but in the lane next to it is like dread processing it, all this stuff. But maybe because they're in separate lanes, you feel like you're sort of distanced from those feelings. But what ends up happening, I think, is that those feelings are like that anxiety. It's just like, yeah, it's almost like unprocessed anxiety because I have been so busy. And then I'm like, oh, but why do I feel anxious? And it's like, well, you're also in the middle of like a world crisis. You're just not watching the news and ingesting information about it every second like you were in the beginning. So it's almost like, I don't know. I think it's just like unresolved trauma, essentially, that's just like sitting on my chest. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's yeah. I completely relate. I mean, that's how I was feeling when I wasn't sleeping. I was like, okay, everything's fine, whatever, get to bed. And all of a sudden my body's like, nope. And you're like, yeah. why? Everything's fine. And your body's like, no, yeah. it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. It's like, even if you're not act, even if you're not consciously thinking about exactly. it, yep. it's mm-hmm. there every second of it's the day. It's there every second. And I think I, it just started to dawn on me because I was like, why do I feel like physical symptoms of, of anxiety? Cause I don't, I haven't really had terrible anxiety Good. in a while. Like where Good. it's, where it, it feels that like palpitation, like heart racy, almost like you're like coming down. From How long like have you been on Wellbutrin? Adderall. Cause that's also like a Wellbutrin feeling too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I've been on Wellbutrin now for, I guess, like th- four months. Oh, okay. No, then. Yeah. I feel like Wellbutrin did not make me jumpy, even though I was okay. told it might. Um, but who knows? I mean, it could compound it. I think if it's so, been four months, then no. It's probably not. Yeah, yeah I, I don't agree know. with you. I think it's that even if you feel like, even in good moments when you feel like, oh, I did this thing. I checked this thing off the list. I finished this project. I did the laundry. I brought some food to a friend or whatever makes you feel good. You still come back to your house and it's still like, mm, this kind of sucks. Yeah. And also like I get these moments in the day where it feels structured. Like I'm like, okay, like I go, I actually do a lot of work like early, early in the morning. So I like go into my office and then I'm like, okay, that feels kind of like it used to. Like I always did that before the quarantine, I would like wake up, have coffee and then like do some emailing that I meant to do the night before. And so that'll happen. But then something else will happen after that, that is so deeply unstructured that it's just like another jolt of like, no, 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 you're still in this. Like life has not resumed. So like today I had a moment where I was like, oh, I don't really have anything to do for two hours. And I was like, maybe I'll work out again. And it's like, what? You've never done, you've, who's working out twice in a day? Like, just like, and I didn't because it's a thousand degrees outside in Los Angeles. But even the fact that I could have was like so alarming. Well, it's like I could have worked out for two hours today well, if I wanted it's, to. It's a really sucky thing to live in a world where you can't socialize. I you know, know my I know. therapist always says like human beings 
survived other species, like dinosaurs died, all these things, because we had each other. Like I we know. only survive because we're in a tribe. We're not supposed to be on an island by ourselves. It's not like the way our brains are struck. No, we're not. You know? Yes. I, yes. Biologically, we are not really equipped for this. No. And maybe that's, not. and that's, and you're right. That's exactly what that anxiety is. Now that it's I'm you, I'm like, it is. It's like, oh, I actually can't control it. I just can't control it. It's, it, it's, it's bigger than me. It's going to yeah, be that's there. also a horrible feeling too. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, something that's really come up for me a lot right now is just how, what a huge part like class plays in like Ugh, crisis because exactly. it's like as hard as it is people who are upper class, which includes us, like it's not scary in the same way it is for people who are paycheck to paycheck. And yes. like, this guy that I'm going on a date with tonight, his parents both work in a factory mm. and like they're working class people. So if they don't work, they don't eat and they don't pay rent. And like his mom has asthma and mm. he's like, yeah, my mom's still working in a factory because she can't not work. And so yeah. it's really interesting how this pandemic is just like a microcosm for like race, class, 1%, like how unfair everything is. Cause it's like certain people will not be that affected by the pandemic besides emotionally and other yes. people, it will kill them. <laughs> yes. No. You and know? I think that discrepancy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is that's something that maybe we're not processing consciously every second, but it is still there in your, you carry that around with you in your body. Like you just do. Because there's like guilt involved, and it's just so crazy. It's also how different like, it is. and also I'm getting. I think, oh god, honestly, this podcast could just turn into us talking about this stuff. But it won't. We'll get to the episode. But um, I I was noticing too, like you know, there's some very like a list celebrities. I won't name names, but you know, posting like oh, like Imagine video. Well, oh, that yes. stuff is nauseating <laughs> on every level. Oh, please, the worst. But um, but posting things just like, you know, like they'll post a picture of themselves. Being like on like, a Tonight gorgeous I'm beach so or something. Sad. Yeah, there was one in particular last night where it was like a celebrity staring out at the most gorgeous view of Los Angeles. And then the caption. Oh, my God. What, and Oh, no, sorry. Her husband took the photo. And then in the caption, she wrote, that was like me while I was like crying about the pandemic and I'm like, like wait but you have a veranda <laughs> you have a veranda I mean like you're a veranda and, I'm she not, has you're, a veranda and she has a veranda and I'm not obviously like I I am not saying that you're not everyone is affected it, but it's a very it's a spectrum but of it how is much such a spectrum and it yeah. also is yeah it's and it's complicated because it's like well why am I sitting here like judging this woman but also also, that photo just like creeped me the fuck out. And I'm I'm just, it's it's constant. You feel Listen, guilty, you feel disgusted by people, you feel sad for people, you want to connect with people. I don't know. I'm like filled with like judgment and it's horrible. People. Well, you know, yes, <laughs> so of course. It's so complex. Well, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking like lately in the news, there's like um, you know, these protests going on all over the country, Michigan, North Carolina, Virginia, of people who are saying like, open up the economy. Yes. And it's really interesting because um, that's very dangerous. And uh, it's, you know, 
I think a lot of, I'm a super liberal, but I think a lot of liberals, people like my mom are like, those people are idiots. They don't understand how this works. But I have to say, my mom's job isn't on the line. My mom. I, I had I had this exact discussion with Dan the other night. Yeah. I totally hear you. I yeah, felt so the, like, I feel the same way. It's like yeah, it's like it's easy to sit in your house where you yes, work from home and yes. make a lot of money and be like, how could those people? They're such stupid asses. Yeah, they people they are, all, all they want to do is kill other people. Like that's or, always the thing. Is like you don't value other people's lives. It's like it's not that simple, guys. It's not that it's simple. Just here's not. the thing. It's like people are like, oh all of this to go to a Fuddruckers. It's like, no, it's I this. Know. It's this to feed your family. It's I this know. so that you oh don't God. end up homeless. So I am so happy you're saying this. This I is just exactly what Dan it. and I were talking about last Absolutely. And we, we want to make it this like partisan issue. Like the conservatives think this way and the liberals think this way. And it's like, guys, it's actually, it goes so far beyond politics. And to think that it's just political is a privilege. I'm if, sorry. If you can't put food on the table and you're going to exactly. get kicked out of your house. How then, could you not be thinking like that? Yeah, of course. And, and you know, people are dying from it. But, uh, but I think that some people are like, I'm going to die if I don't work. It's, Absolutely. It's, and I'm not defending it and saying that. And neither that am I. I think but, they should open it up. And I'm but sure the discussion is more complicated. And well, I think among that my liberal friends and my liberal life, I don't think people are being as understanding to what it uh, is agreed. to be working class during this thing. Fully agreed. It actually it's it's actually been kind of troubling, especially just like on Instagram and Twitter. I'm just like, stop. Like you guys, like it'll be someone who has like a funny tweet about it. Literally, like the Fuddruckers thing. There was one like yeah, that. Yeah, I read something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. You literally you have a, home. you have a, you have like an EP WGA job <laughs> that you couldn't make more money. What are you talking about? You You're don't have so to work disconnected from what it means. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, oh, so glad you said that. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> On that note, on that note, you're four, a Charlotte. You're a Charlotte. Obviously, I'm a Miranda. Just two classic prototypes over here. Um, okay, yeah. So today is defining moments. Rose, take it away. Thank you. The episode kicks off with Carrie and Big taking in the town. They're not dating. They're playing. Meanwhile, Charlotte and Trey are wildly horny for each other. They, ooh, they duck out of a cocktail party to have sex in a coat room. Do they dare? Mm-hmm. Big drops Carrie at her place after their play date, and they have a flirty eyebrow off. <laughs> Big wants to sleep with her, but Carrie is not having it. Then she heads to breakfast. Have you guys ever done it in a restaurant bathroom? Lotus Sparks, somewhere over Chicago. She said restaurant bathroom. There were warm nuts involved. Classy. How about a coat room? Lotus, my last birthday party. I'm out. Syrup? Mm. Are these theoretical questions or are you getting busy, Missy? Trey and I. Coat room, Friday, bistro bathroom last night. But I thought he couldn't. Well, apparently he can. All over Manhattan. Well, this is a very happy development. No, no, it's not. We're not even together anymore. Doesn't sound that way to me. We're supposed to be getting to know each other again, not, not... Fucking against a hand dryer? Yeah. It's so confusing. Are we dating or are we back together? Is he my boyfriend or my lover? Or my ex-husband, whom I have sex with occasionally in coat rooms. And bathrooms. I'm going with D, all of the above. Oh, who cares what you are? Just enjoy it. No, I need to know where we're going. 
Yes, we'd like to know where you're going as well, since evidently you'll be having sex there. Why do you have to define it? He's my husband. We were defined by law. Now it's all blurry. It's so hard. Thank your lucky stars. Oh, enough about me. What, what did you do this weekend? Monkey bar. <gasps> Fun! Huh? With whom? Big. The bar, not the bathroom. So you and Big are really friends or something? Yeah, friends or something. Easy, prosecutor. Well, don't you think you should define what you're doing with him? Charlotte didn't have to. Charlotte married the guy. We're undefinable. She's sleeping with him. I am not sleeping with him. We're just hanging out. Hmm. You, Miranda is so hard on Carrie. <laughs> I know. I love easy prosecutor. Yeah, she's just so like. I also gets... love when Carrie goes. Charlotte didn't have to. Like she's a little kid. It's, it's such a funny response. I know this is really interesting. I mean, you know, the, the thing that I think of when Miranda gets so like, you can't do that. Blah blah blah. It it just makes her feel like such a sidekick. Like like somebody who doesn't really have much going on. So it's like, so like way too passionate about like their friend's problem. Do you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny take. Yeah. Like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's like two high school girls, like the pretty one and the not pretty one. The not pretty one's like, you can't keep going out with him. And it's like, right. Okay. It's like they're in like, they're like doing a, like a saved by the bell drama scene. Like, no, Zach, <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. The other girl's just like, I just haven't gotten laid in a while, so I'm really invested. I know. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Mm. So the, the whole episode is about, like, defining relationships. And, yes. And, and ambiguity. And what do you think about, um, like, being friends with an ex? Like, a recent ex that you're not over. That's kind of what's happening, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Charlotte's situation is so odd because it's, like, all the things that she could have had in the marriage, but it took the marriage failing for them to kind of get to a frisky, exciting place. Um, and yeah, I think that as far as like relationships, I, I think that what's going on with both, with both Carrie and Charlotte, they're, they're kind of similar in that, like sometimes when relationships end, there is this weird, hazy, fuzzy, complicated gray area thing that happens we're like, maybe you guys are sleeping together and it feels fun and exciting because it's like on new terms and and it always just ends up ending, I feel. Like it's almost like it's like a fantasy, like slow the last burn ditch. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. I know that's not exactly what's happening here. Well, I mean, in Charlotte's case, it kind of is. Sort yeah, of. totally. Um, so this is like way more nuanced the way it's written. But it is almost like two sides of the same coin a little bit. Yeah, I totally fine. agree. I feel like. In a lot I of... mean, like, their two relationships are two sides of the same coin. Yeah, clarify, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in my last relationship, like, every time we kind of broke up and got back together, we would have, like, the best sex of our relationship. Yes. And it was, like, part of this fantasy of, like, emotions running so high and, like, but behind it, I think part of what made it hot was that we both kind of knew that, like, the, the jig was up. And so there's something so desperate about that kind of sex. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, for me, it almost, well, not every relationship, but I can point to a few different relationships where I needed that weird still having sex together, but not together, still having sex together, um, but not 
yeah, it being sort of undefined. I needed that to be a hundred percent sure it was over. Like in, I can think of two relationships where it was pretty much like right after sleeping with the person that I was like, yeah, we're done. Like it was almost like, it was like my head felt one way for a while. And I was like, yeah, we definitely need to be broken up. But then my heart was kind of lingering. And then finally my heart and my body also like severed from the relationship. Like it just took a minute for the two to be in sync. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. What do you think about the fact that like Trey can suddenly have sex all the time? What do you like? So what's your thought frustrating. on that? It's just so I was so confused by that. Yeah, Skylar, what do you think? Again, I think it I think it goes back to what we've talked about a bunch with Trey where there is sort of a concept with him early on that feels like it gets dropped. Like he's just, he feels like a little poorly written as a character. Um, Because I don't understand what makes him able to have sex all of a sudden and then able to have sex all the time. It's almost like he's kind of like Kieran Culkin in succession a little bit. Mm -hmm. I wonder. Like he kind of, well, because well, there was the angel There's... whore thing, but then also, right. like, we always kind of were, I think that the story with Trey was kind of told medically for a while. Like, he can't get it up. It was always about, like, he has boner problems. He needs to go to therapy. He, you know, it, I don't know. It, it felt physical at first. Then it started to get a little more mental. And now it's just full on, like, slap me in the face and call me an insolent little girl. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's gotten to this, like, I think he might like kind of be like a sick fuck a little bit. Oh my god, that's my favorite thing you've ever said on the pod. I mean, maybe. Wait, I know he's making you so edgy. <laughs> <laughs> you just called someone a sick fuck. I love this. God, I think you're a Samantha if you ask me. Okay, don't mind god. if I do, but like, I don't know. I I kind of feel like he's rich. He has everything. He's kind of like. His senses are a little dulled with Charlotte in the marriage because everything was just so easy. He's in his like beautiful apartment. He has his beautiful wife. It's just kind of like, and then it's like, Ooh, there's a divorce. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm listening. And then it's like, Oh, and now we're fucking in a coat room. Okay. Now like you're starting to speak my language. Like I think he needs a little punishment or something to like get it up. I think yeah, he, most, sorry, Skylar, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to basically, yeah, he, it seems like he likes something in the, in the way of like a degradation yes, situation. Which is, if like for it, anyone who hasn't seen Succession, Kieran Culkin's character, it's very fun. I mean, he's like a monster in what yeah. it takes to get him off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if Trey has a little bit of that. Totally. I think besides men who are very old, like 99% of sexual problems are mental. Um, it's very rarely like a physiological issue. I mean, it does happen. Like if you've had surgery or, you know, there's, there's things that can happen, but I think Trey's issue has always been mental. And we've talked before about how he's somebody who's like living such a fake life and just going through the motions and like, doesn't know who he is. And kind of got, like, coerced into this marriage in a way. Like, he didn't really ask her. She kind of made him ask her. And I think he just feels really out of control in his life. And maybe the the coat coat room and all that stuff kind of makes him feel like he's getting a little bit of control back. Well, I just think that, like, he never really wanted to be in this marriage. And now that 
they're not really together, he can actually enjoy Charlotte, like, for who she is, because he doesn't feel like he's being, like, pressured into it or something. Yeah. It also it also might be a little bit that it's his opportunity to act out in sort of, like, a, a safe way. Like, they are still married. Still married and yeah. so right. any, any sort of sketchy or, or risky sex that they have is still within the bounds of their marriage, but it's still, like, but for it's him. it's so taboo for him. Yeah, so it might be the way, like, maybe that's what's kind of invigorating all of it, where it's like, yeah, it's he's an orderly guy, but um, having sex in a coat room at a cocktail party is now really exciting, because it's with his wife. I hate how he says, my wife has a damn fine ass. He's such a dork. Shut up, fucking alrighty loser. Yeah. I know. Alrighty. I think that he's actually, weirdly, a very realistic character, because I think he's- I agree. I'm starting to think maybe he is. Well, he's just so detached, and he doesn't know how he feels, and you can just tell that he's, like, feels so much- pressure and just is like really not connected. I mean, the thing about sex is the way it's portrayed in society and mainstream culture is that it's just like a physical activity that anyone can do and enjoy. And that it's like this raunchy, naughty thing, but it's actually like a very intense emotional thing. Even if you're having casual sex and you don't care, it does tap into this really weird, not weird, it taps into a very personal place that you don't show hardly anyone. It's like we interact with so many people. We have sex with very few people con- considering how many people we interact with. Sure. And it's a, like a very vulnerable place. And, and I think that if you have problems in your life, it does show up in sex. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's, that's accurate. Um, also, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, shit. Wait, is Trey? Like, because we're all like the whole time. Skylar and I mean we've been talking about it like he feels like so poorly written but now I'm like oh shit maybe he's like brilliantly written and it's actually just more they didn't convey it well but the character itself is more thought out I guess what I'm saying is the character actually might have more um to it than we thought more specificity than maybe we thought my read is a, a little bit that um that owes more to Kyle McLaughlin than it does to the writing. I mean, his performance is, yeah. is like he's, 90% he's incredible. of it. He yeah. brings a lot to it. He brings so it's also, much. Because it's also like in, in the clip we just listened to, too, they even address our our logic bump where where they where I believe it's Miranda who says I thought he couldn't get it up. And then Charlotte just tosses it off that I guess now he can. Yeah. That's that's the written yeah, you're solve right. for what's happened. But, but then yeah. Kyle McLaughlin plays it grounded. I kind of agree with Jamie, though, because it's like guys like this. I've met guys like this in real life, and it's hard to put a finger on them. And you yeah. don't really know what's going on inside them and what their personality is. And they don't reveal a lot and they don't say a lot. And so I actually think I'm going to give the writers the benefit of the doubt and say he's not underdeveloped. He's just a very... He just has a huge shell and doesn't let that much out, period. You know, that's a real type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Oh, holy shit. Maybe Trey's a great character. Uh, maybe Trey's the best character ever written. Damn. Shit. So um, anyway. Okay, let's get into it. Miranda started seeing Doug, a cartoonist for The New Yorker, played by Jim Gaffigan. They seem to have a good... I didn't realize that was Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Oh, good spot. They Young seem to guy. have a good casual thing going until Doug gets a little too comfortable. I love this storyline. Oh, my God. He wanders into the bathroom and starts peeing while Miranda's brushing her teeth. She's mortified. I think, like, a couple weeks in, that's absolutely way too soon. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, I'm not, I, I don't, don't want to have that. No. I, no, I don't want that. Okay, so everyone heads to an opening at Charlotte's Gallery where Samantha meets Maria, the Brazilian artist whose work everyone is there to see. They hit it off, but Sam's a little bummed there aren't any eligible guys for her to pick up. That works fine for Maria, however, she is gay. Okay, I'm just going to highlight something really quick. I think, uh, I don't know. Our queer listeners, I'm curious what you guys think, but I do think that that character, Maria, is very condescending because in real life, I think when a woman finds out that another woman is like completely straight, I don't think her attitude is like, we'll see about that or kind of like, I mean, Samantha's just like, oh, where are the hot guys? And Maria's like, oh, really? I don't know. It kind of feels like, hmm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people that try and change people. I don't know. No, yeah. I don't. Did she say that though? Wasn't she just kind of like there? You won't find those here. Cause I don't she know. Was, I think well, there there is a little bit of flirtiness, but also I mean, it was, Mar- Mar- Samantha's always flirty, so it's hard for me to know when she's like flirting or but just I thought, like talking. I, like, I, I thought, but also, <laughs> yeah, Sky. Oh, I was gonna say the the reveal for Maria being gay is she has that kiss with the other yes. woman who shows up oh, for okay. a moment. Okay, so then basically I'm talking out of my do do. Okay, <laughs> so Gary and Big have another just friends date at a jazz club. You could literally Ugh. never get me to a jazz club. The whole time, she can't stop staring at the hot bass player. Oh, my God, I love this. Who can't stop staring back. He even stops by to introduce himself after the show. His name is Ray, and he and Carrie have instant chemistry. It freaks Big out. They all share a cab ride home because Big just can't let Carrie go. That's like an incredible scene. Yeah, he just cock blocks her. It's so good. It's so funny. Ray's not really phased by Big's BS. He asks Carrie for her number on the drive and Big gives her a pen to give it to him. He also jumps out of the cab at her place to hit on her and shit talk Ray's hat, which is very big. Inside, Carrie hears from both of them. Hello? You don't hear that song, I think of you. I don't even know you. How fucked up is that? Well, that's good. Oh, can can you hang on a second? (laughs) Okay. Hello? What are you doing? I can't talk right now. What, you're on the other line? Yes, yes, I am. Pork pie? Look, I gotta go. Tell him he needs mints. I'm hanging up. Carrie likes a jazz musician. Sorry. No problem. Listen, uh, I'd like to take you out on Saturday night. Promise you won't have to listen to me play. Okay, I'd like that. Great. Oh, uh, 
Don't bring the angry guy. <laughs> He's not so bad. See ya. Okay. What do you want? What do you see in that guy? He knows when to say goodbye. Oh my god. Mm. That is so this wow. this show is so hilarious because what they think is sexy on this show, it's so over the top cheesy. It's practically like a rose in someone's mouth. Like Oh yeah, playing you mean playing the the song through the phone. Everything about it like like jazz music, like pretending jazz is sexy. Like I don't mean to be a bitch, but like jazz being cool is like happened like 45 years ago. Like Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think, thank God, Carrie hates jazz. Um, it makes it very funny <laughs> because clearly grace. this was a discussion in the writer's room. There were probably people who were like, I like going to a jazz club. It's kind of relaxing, kind of swanky. And then there were the others who were like, absolutely not. So also, I feel like jazz you have is both. like extra horrible. I went to a performing mm -hmm. arts high school and jazz was, well, we had a music department and jazz was um, a very big part of it. Like, like every kid who was like cool in the music division of our high school played jazz or was in some kind of quartet. So I was always going to see jazz and I never liked jazz. And I actually found it to be really just like really um, unenjoyable, but I also wanted to like be support supportive, supportive of my friends. Um, but I always like staunchly hated it. But lately uh -oh, I have found it helpful to listen to almost like, like scat like jazz when I write and at first I was like this is only for when I write this is not like I like this type of music I've never been that person and now I'm like if I went to a jazz club I actually think I'd be okay because I've got I now associate it with like being productive listen there are cool jazz musicians Miles Davis John Coltrane Alice Coltrane but they're black yeah. and they're from the 60s yeah, I this is a little, um, this is like, uh, this is like La La Land. That's what I'm saying. We've got it's a like, La La Land problem on our hands. we're talking about jazz being cheesy, we're talking about white jazz. Like, yeah, black it's just... jazz is like OG, it's real, it's legit. It's like, yeah. jazz being cheesy, when people think jazz is cheesy, they're thinking of Kenny G. They're thinking of, oh, like, yeah. white that people make I cannot stuff. listen to. Right, they take something cool, our people take something cool, and then they make it cheesy, but the original black version is always cool. Yeah. And, and and jazz from that age, like, I mean, kind of blue, like that stuff's amazing. It's this kind of like fedora, Justin Timberlake style jazz. It's like not a, like tight curls, <laughs> tight white curls. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he really, oh yeah. He really reminds me of a lot of guys I went to high school with. That's all I can say. All I, I really, can say. I really lived that white jazz musician life for a while. Well, I will say that. I thought about this yesterday. If we're going to talk about musicians, I played music. I played guitar and wrote my own songs and was like, thought I was going to be a musician in high school and college. I was obsessed, obsessed. It was my favorite thing. I only dated musicians. I thought musicians were the hottest thing. The biggest difference between me as a kid and me as an adult is now I find like if I'm swiping through online and somebody even like whispers, if there's even a guitar, like on the background, I'm like swipe away. I find an adult man being a musician so unsexy i can't even so tell funny. you oh i think it's that like embarrassing so funny yeah this is fucked up but that like so in my 12 step there was this guy we we're doing zooms that was like in my opinion very hot and i like looked him up and he is a musician and like 
this is sounds so judgmental, but he hasn't made it yet. And he's like mm. 43. And I'm just like, oh my God, going to clubs and <laughs> bars and, you know, like trying to like gig. I don't know. It just seemed like that's the reality of it. Well, like, what's so interesting you say that because, uh, the, the guy in this episode, Ray, he owned the club. So I almost feel like they thought about that. They're like, he can't just be pursuing jazz. He oh. has to, like, have a little bit of status financially for, like, Carrie to give two shits. That's true. Also, I just want to make it clear that I don't just find unsuccessful musicians unattractive even if they it could have like, all the money and she no it could be like brandon them. boyd and i would be like you're a dork it just feels so childish it's like stoppers and tattoos it's just so 90 i know what you mean i know like, what you mean it just like it just feels like a teenage it's like being a teenager for a living yeah that is what it is yeah it's like yeah you're right you know i mean you're not she's not wrong people come on okay come on um wait so Okay, about the phone call. Yeah, what did you think? I mean... How fun. What a fun little... I It creeps me out every time this episode comes up when I'm watching it. When Big goes... Carrie likes a jazz man. It always scares me. It's it's like it's like it's like the big equivalent of like the calls coming from inside the house, like like in Scream. Like go to the window. Like it just scares me. I don't ever. That's time, hilarious. It creeps me the fuck out. Yeah, Christopher Knott's acting choices are. I love them. I think they're so unique. Oh, I mean, it was so funny. It's so yeah, him. yeah. yeah. He would have. He would have been so good in a horror movie. I wonder if he I ever know. did one. He's he been such gr- a good villain. Wait, have you guys seen the Instagram clip of Samantha of Kim Cattrall scatting along with her husband? You who's sent playing? it to me. I haven't seen it yet. I've never seen it. In real life, Kim Cattrall's husband, I don't know what he does. I think he just plays upright bass for fun. And she goes, boo da do da da do da da do chimney And like, it's literally so horrifying. And That's horrifying. Oh my God. And in the comments, she's like, we just groove together. It's like so no. amazing like that. Oh my That's God. Like, it's incredible. I was going to say, um, oh my God. I feel like uh, Nancy Myers movies really make a thing out of jazz like if you watch what yes. women want and um i believe uh something's got to give also like they both really like care about that kind of throwbacky rat pack see that jazz the stuff vibe I, that's the stuff i like well, only I because like i write to it now I, i'm yeah i love nancy myers and stuff but yeah it's such a funny like throwback vision of like a certain type of masculinity that i think was really hot for some people at like, like probably like curling around 2000, but are like, yeah, they love I think it, it depends yeah. on the They're jazz. Like, smooth jazz is terrible. White jazz is no, terrible. Smooth jazz. We shouldn't even call it jazz. It's so gross. Yeah. It's like corn dog. It's so creepy. I like that. Uh, Carrie it's like has the mustache moment, of music. Oh, yes. <laughs> I like Wait, that, what did you say? Oh, I just like that Carrie gets to like, you know, it's like this is where big shines. He's like a. He's like a dog that saw a squirrel in a tree. I'm sorry. I'm like, all my metaphors are dogs now because Chachi, I had Chachi for a few days. But like, this is where Big shines. He loves competition. He loves calling and knowing she's not available. This turns him yep. on more than any sex could. This is what he yeah, lives he for. Yeah, he loves it. He, he loves, loves the chase. It. He loves it. Um, all right. Let's get let's back in. Okay. So Miranda does what she can to get to Doug's comfort level. She gives peeing with the door open a try. But when Doug pops in on her to blow his nose aggressively, 
She decides she can't quite do it. She shuts the door and pees in peace. Sam, meanwhile, catches up with Maria at her place. They do a little painting together, but the real highlight comes after. They have quite a moment when they're washing each other's hands. While Samantha isn't opposed to hooking up with Maria, she makes it clear she's not a relationship person. They'll have to be just friends. Everyone meets up to shop, and Carrie spots something new on Charlotte's neck. Trey gave her a hickey? Charlotte also gave him a blowjob in a movie theater, which Sam happily endorses. But for traditional Charlotte, Sam's seal of approval is not ideal, and she's right back to freaking out about her and Trey. He doesn't help when he tries to sleep with her in the back of a cab later. They talk, and he agrees to try some traditional bed sex. Miranda and Doug have another open door moment, but the guy finally goes too far. While she's making them coffee, he starts blowing up the <laughs> toilet. And that is that by Doug. By okay, wait. Doug. Bef- before we continue, have either of you pooped in the same room as no. your partners or been in the part in the room when your partners nope. have pooped? No, not pooping. <laughs> pooping <laughs> pooping so we that's no. That's solo. That's the beginning <laughs> of the end. That's, that's everybody does that individually. Yeah, exactly. So Carrie heads to her first date with Ray at the opening of Tao. Only Big showed up too, and he brought along a model named Shay. Ugh. They catch up with Samantha and Maria, and the whole crew sit down for an uncomfortable dinner. It quickly spoils when Big refuses to let Carrie and Ray be, and they duck out. Samantha tells Big off and runs to the bathroom to calm down. Maria runs after her. Hey, hey, hey. You okay? I'm fine. I'm sorry. That guy's not good for her. Look, uh, I'm gonna go. No, no, don't go. But we can get another table. I lied. I can't just be your friend. What I saw back there... You, uh, you are magnificent. And uh, I'll just say that, um, oh, you kick ass. And I see where this is going and uh, you don't do relationships and it would be very bad for me. So we, we can't even be friends? I'm gonna go in here and uh, you, you go back there. And uh, you're really something. Right then and there, Samantha decided to let down her boundaries and opened herself up to the possibility of a relationship with a woman. I think it's an interesting scene because I know this is extremely nitpicky, but... They had to get Samantha to run into the bathroom and be emotional so that Maria would run in and chase her. But I can't imagine everything we know about Samantha and how she acts. In real life, she tells Big Off and she feels great. The fact that she was like upset after she told Big Off doesn't feel real to me. It feels planted Mm. for this scene to happen. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, you never see Samantha be vulnerable and be like, I'm so worried about her. I'm just really like, that's just not how Samantha is. The way she. Yeah. The way she is, is like, fuck him. You're better than him. Like, she doesn't act vulnerable. I mean, very rarely. I can't even think of a time like. Well, there are a few times. I feel like she gets weepy like once every season and a half. 
Yeah. And so I I appreciate it. I think it's nice when Do you feel you like it's real? she cares. Yeah, because I like that she's like, don't fuck with my friend, because that's that's actually the part of Samantha that I love the most is that we think that she's going to be like, you go, girl, like, you know, fuck him. Da, da, da. But then she actually is like, she's so loyal. And um, I, I know what you mean. It feels like that Tell character choice has come more from Miranda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, but that yeah. she's affected by it. And then is like what running into the bathroom out. to like collect her emotions. I just... Yeah, I know what you mean. I, yeah, it, it definitely is not her character normally. But for me, I kind of I kind of liked it because she's kind of not let anything out really towards the fact, like emotionally let anything out towards the fact that Carrie keeps going back to big. Like Miranda kind of cleansed it and like they got in a fight and it's been recognized and, you know, the prosecutor stuff. But I do think that maybe Samantha holds on to stuff and then it kind of bottles and comes out in weird ways. That That's sense. the only way I could sort of justify it because you're 100% right. It's like, okay, that's a weird choice for her also, to like need a moment in the, the bathroom. It's, it's not what the scene is about. I just was thinking while I was watching and I was like, huh. well, they clearly wrote it to like get to, to, to get Maria being like, you kick ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you say yeah. kick ass? That woman <laughs> yeah, is a great perfect actress. English. Very sexy. Yeah. I love her. I yeah. love that character. She's great. Um, I mean, I think it's an interesting yeah. scene. It's triggering for me because I feel like when I, like every four or five years, I'm like, fuck men and like try and be a lesbian and it doesn't work. And I feel bad for both of them because it's like, I just know where this is going. It's like Samantha just isn't this. And I know what it's yeah. like to want to make yourself do something because somebody seems cool. And that's not even if you're gay or straight. I mean, that's just like. No, that was the most relatable thing about this scene to me was that. When someone's like, I can't do this, and they give you a hard boundary, and you're like, well, maybe I can change myself to make it work because I don't want to lose you. Like, there's something very relatable just about watching Samantha be like, I could give it a shot. Or trying so. to, like, it's, it's you know, unrequited romantic interest is so shitty. And when somebody who's a nice, cool person is interested in you, I mean, many of us have tried, you know? Right. And that's a horrible feeling because it feels false. Yes. It feels false to go on dates with people when you're not actually interested. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating to watch. Cause you're like, just leave Maria alone. She's being honest with you. She's telling you her limits, like just let her go. And also exactly. they're new friends. So it's like, you're, you're fine. You have, you have people, you know, more than Maria. Um, sorry. There's a lot of, my... Oh, go ahead. Just, it, go ahead. Skylar. I, it is a lot of pressure to put, put on a brand new friendship basically. <laughs> but yeah. it's not friendship she like she's liked her from the jump you know it's not yeah it's like she's interested in her in that way you know yes yeah yeah, yes. yeah. um okay so while samantha and maria share their first kiss in one of tao's bathrooms carrie walks in on shay snorting coke in the other one shay asks carrie to stay and generously offers her some coke but carrie declines shay does mention that big still talks about her so there's that the episode closes with Carrie and Ray scatting to the tunes of the city as they walk home and Oof. share a first kiss of their own. Absolute bar. This brings us, <laughs> yep. Um, and this brings <laughs> us to the question of the episode. The Eskimo have hundreds of words for snow, and we've invented three times that many words for relationship. 
but the more words we invent, the harder it becomes to define things. In a world where you can date without sex, screw without dating, and in the end, keep most of your sex partners as friends long after the screwing is over, what really defines a relationship? Mm, I like this um, question. Me too. What do you think, Jamie? It's definitely making me take pause. Um, what do I think defines a relationship? Well, yeah, I guess for she's you. saying lo- long-term relate. Like, I, I, I guess she- I, it, yeah. I think she means something real. Yeah, something real. Um, what defines a relationship? I think commitment and dedication because it's like great sex, adventures, this, that. That's all really exciting. But like, yeah, that's probably the one factor where it's like, if you don't have that, then what is this? Well, I think it's like, that's what makes it real. I think the commitment and the like, I mean, I'm going to use the monogamous context here and say, it's the choice of like, I'm coming home to you. I'm choosing you. Uh, when something's going on with your family, I'm right there. You know, when your grandma dies, when you're, you know, it's, I think that's yeah. what defines a real relationship. I think, mm-hmm. cause I think that there's plenty of good marriages and families where there's been like years where people don't have sex and years where people are fighting and then they come back. Like you hear about this kind of stuff in like really long-term things. Like, I, so I don't think sex defines it. Um, cause I no, think people go I up don't and either. down. Yeah. And when she was saying that, like, you know, you're, you can have sex without the, the, title and all this stuff it's like right well that's not a relationship like it's almost like the question sort of does answer itself because that's definitely um that you are having relations and you guys are um you know maybe your label doesn't fit into like the classic box and it doesn't mean that you don't have a connection but I guess in sort of like classic terms yeah that that would be the defining factor is like is there commitment or is there not I also think it's like nurturing someone else's growth and putting you guys together above you individually because I think there are relationships where people are together but put themselves first instead Mm -hmm. of the couple first and I think like a really good solid relationship is the couple first and then the individual it's kind of depressing that Carrie's asking this question a little bit. What do you mean? I think that it's a it's slightly depressing because I I do think that labels in general, not just with relationships, but truly in life, it, it they always make things worse. I think that we're always trying to retrofit something to make sense of ourselves, and it can be really restrictive in a lot of different ways, um, spanning truly everything from gender identity to married, singled, what you know, single, divorce, whatever it is. Um, there's so much shame that comes with labels and, and they just fucking really blow. Um, but in this case with Carrie, I, I, she's kind of listing these things that are clearly not a relationship. And she's like, you can, your friends after, you know, after you've slept with each other, all this stuff is like, okay, well that's a friendship. That's what that is that you used to sleep together. Now you're a friendship, but she's kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm reading two between the lines, but it does feel a little like, what you just said, it's like, well, yeah, commitment, being there for each other, you know, thick and thin, like being able to count on each other. Like, it's actually quite simple what, what the difference is, but she's kind of saying it like, I don't understand. It's all kind of blurring together. And it's like, well, there, there are, to me, it is pretty clear cut. I think 
that that's a great point and that the reason that she has to be confused by it is because she doesn't have someone she can count exactly. on. And so, exactly. And so 100%. Neither do her friends. So instead, no. so instead they're clinging on to like, you know, is it this? Doesn't is mean it you that? Don't, yeah. And it doesn't mean that you don't like it, you're not. You're not wrong if you have like sort of like a fuck, a fuck buddy, buddy scenario right. or yeah, that is some kind that is a relationship. It is a relationship. Yes, of course. It is a relationship. Um I think that it's a relationship in that two people are like connecting and have something between them. Um but the parameters the, yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess I feel limited by just the word relationship because it doesn't Do you not it's like, almost like if we do you not if like we had those other things? Like those like labels, like do you not like well, saying like relationship I'm to single? me when I hear when people like say like relation we're in a relationship and then it will be like, oh, but we're there's also a long-term relationship. It's like, well, to me, relationship kind of does mean a longer term committed thing. Yeah, and, I, I agree. and I wish that it wasn't that the other option is something as derisive as fuck buddy or like, you know what I mean? Cause that that could also that is a relationship. There is it, it, there is love and connection if that's there. What you want, yeah, or could be, yeah, or could be, yeah, yeah. Not I mean, I love think, with fuck buddy, but yeah, I think the truth is that we need more words. We need more words for things. <laughs> well, gal, that's how I'm we feeling. are at the I'm horny for segment. Sex in the City yes. is a very horny show, so we end each episode yeah. by sharing what we're horny for. Jamie, what are you horny for at this moment? I am horny for Zoom. Just kidding. I fucking hate Zoom. Um, I am horny for, I mean, I'm glad that we have it. But um, no, I'm horny for a new book that I started uh, called The Mars Room. Did you read that? No, tell me about it. Rachel Kushner. Yeah, I just started it. So I can't really say much. Good writing? But I'm very good writing. And it just feels very visual. It's always nice when you're reading a book where you're like, I see the movie already. And it's really written. Um so plainly that it's just kind of it just kind of soothes my brain like there's really no work there's no work to be done you could read it like while juggling and like frying up some eggs like it's like it takes zero attention i don't like i need that pages of like the flowers was like dripping me neither no 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 flowers no nature (laughs) i just get to it what happened tell me what happened (laughs) i feel exactly the same way I can't do, I cannot, okay, let me tell you, the book I read right before this, which was one of my horny fours, um, was called This Is How It Always Is. It is a very good book. I do recommend it. However, there is a chapter towards the end that you would think, because I'm at the end of the book, I would just read it. I truly was like, I'm skipping this. And I just like scanned it and just flip, flip, flip through the pages and then got to the end of the book. So I was like, I don't need all this. This is like the difference between Whatever this is should have been cut. Literature versus juicy read. Give me a juicy read. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there have been a few books where I'm like, okay, I get it. But rarely am I appreciative of a really that level of detail of the surroundings. Yeah. I like more action and dialogue than I like like pages of description. Yeah. Or like how you're feeling or whatever. You know, just uh, tell me short sentences. Ernest Hemingway. You know, action. Tell me action. <laughs> Yeah, I read her last book and I was like the just okay on it. So I'm glad. Yeah, so I'm glad to hear that the Mars Room is good. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was. I thought the flamethrowers was solid, but I, I didn't love it. Mm, yeah, yeah. I uh, 
yeah, I'm into it. I really am into it. It's it's gripped me from jump. So yeah. What about you? What are you horny for? I am horny for a mini series on FX on Hulu called Mrs. America. Um, it stars Kate Blanchett, uh, Sarah Paulson, Uzo. Yes. I don't know how to say her last name. Adubo. Adubo? Yeah, that's right. Um, who else is in it? Rose Byrne. Uh, love it is fantastic. It's about the (gasps) women's movement and it's all these different major real life characters of the women's movement. And it brings up like black feminism versus white feminism and the housewives that are trying to like peel back the Equal Rights Amendment. It's totally fascinating. It's kind of like a female Mad Men. The the costumes are great. The music is great. Kate Blanchett is out of control good. Tracy Ullman is amazing. She's amazing. So that's a great watch. And there's four episodes out now, so you can just binge them right up. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Absolutely. Um, I need a new show so that you're that catching me one. off the heels of Ozark. I really need to have, have some big shoes to fill. I can't so. wait to watch Ozark. Yeah, it's so good. Um, all right. Well, that is our episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Love you, James. Love you. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) Meow. <coughs>